Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. timeline this afternoon. Dolphins head coach Adam Gase says quarterback Ryan Tannehill day-to-day won't know for sure until he sees the QB throw. Gase says Tannehill is the starter when healthy and he will play again this year. The Buccaneers have fired defensive coordinator Mike Smith, the first coordinator to be let go this season. Tampa Bay allowing over 34 points the game. They rank next to last in terms of yards allowed. Hello there. Happy to have you with us on this Monday. Wendy Nix, Adam Schefter, Ryan Clark, and Tim Hasselbeck. We've got one more game to go. That's tonight in Green Bay. But we'll take a look now at the headlines from week six. A thriller under the lights. Tom Brady and the Patriots snagged a win over the Chiefs in big-time fashion. Brady also recording his 200th career regular season win as a starting quarterback. The Steelers rallied late to beat the Bengals. It came from a late touchdown. Big Ben to A.B., Big Ben becomes the seventh quarterback since 1970 with 40 career game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime. And Dallas put on a show, dropping 40 points on a star-studded Jags defense. The Cowboys improved to 3-3, and all three wins coming at home in Dallas. The Dolphins stay safe in overtime over the Bears the sixth straight week. There's been at least one overtime game. This is the first season we've seen an overtime game in each of the first six weeks. And despite cold, snowy weather, Todd Gurley rushed for a career-high 208 yards in Denver, the Rams' first 200-yard rushing performance since Marshall Falk in 2001. And the Ravens blinked the Titans, recorded 11 sacks, a single-game franchise record. Baltimore has an NFL-high four shutouts since the start of the season. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot, and we've got we did such one, a good job with thank it. Thank you. One at a time, which is how we'll handle overreaction Monday, if you will, because there is plenty to work with. We'll start right, right here because it was the final game last night, forty-three to forty, a shootout, if you will. So we say this: the road to the Super Bowl still goes through Foxborough, and that means, of course, the New England Patriots. Tim, we'll just go down the line. Overreaction, not an overreaction. Not an overreaction. I think the slow start can be attributed to, you know, a number of things. New guys on the offensive line, you know, Julian Edelman suspended, you know, injuries at the running back position. (laughs) That stuff is sorted out, you know. And so I look at this team as still the class of the AFC. They have two losses. Quite honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up the regular season with two losses. And so I think because they are right there with other teams, I just feel like this team knows how to win late in the year. And I do think the road will continue to go through Foxborough. I think it's an overreaction because unlike the NFC, it's not a clear-cut favorite. In the NFC, you know it's the Rams and everybody else. Here in the AFC, so many teams have issues. The Kansas City Chiefs, they can score, but they can't play defense. Also, look at last night in Foxborough, the New England Patriots get up early, and they give up that lead uncharacteristically. And if it isn't for Tom Brady and some of the usual suspects making some plays late, they don't win this game. And so I think that this is still going to be down to the wire to figure out who has home field advantage. And I think that that team, has a clear-cut opportunity to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Kansas City still has a lead game, a game okay. lead yeah. on New England. Right, right. But if they lose another one, they obviously don't have the head-to-head. So, I mean, unless you think Kansas City's going to run the table, 
<laughs> you think anyone's going to run the table? He just said that. It would be helpful if you pay attention when I'm talking. <laughs> that's right. We take notes. We, we fill him in. We fill him in. Listen, you know, Bill Belichick always says he doesn't really know his team until November, Adam. So it would not be uh, unusual for a Patriots team to struggle early and then be just fine. The Patriots have gotten better over time. But I still think the Chiefs, even with the game lead, somewhere along the way, New England will stub its toe. Maybe twice. Even with a weak schedule. And Kansas City has set up that... It shouldn't be that tough, even though they still have to play the Chargers, Chargers in Kansas City and the Chargers are playing good football. I, I still think right now the Chiefs have a game lead, so the road to the Super Bowl would still go through Kansas City right now. Right now. The but literal solution, once em. again. Yep, hey, there it goes. With it, again. it is Talk a fair point. You agree with me, so I ain't sure. You are what your record says you are, yes? Well, let's flip the script here and talk about the Chiefs for just a minute. We Clearly, there's no issues with their offense, despite the, the loss last night. But I'll say this. The Chiefs' defense, Adam Schefter, will be their downfall. Is this an overreaction? It's an overreaction because the defense is vulnerable. It's weak, but... They can make plays when they need to. And the special teams are so dynamic that they can overcome that. And the offense is so good that they can overcome that. Is the defense the downfall of the Patriots? They gave up 40 points last night. Mm-hmm. And they still found a way to win the game. And so there'll be times where the Chiefs' defense plays well enough, like it did the previous week against Jacksonville. I don't know that it'll be their downfall. Look, if they lose a game, it's probably going to be because of the defense. But I, I think that, that this team... So, so, so therefore... Be their they might run the table, so if they don't... There's a lot of things that could be their downfall. So I'm not blaming it on the defense. Have, I already know, Adam. I'm with you. And I, I, and I think it's an overreaction. One, you're missing star players, right? Justin Houston is not playing. Eric Berry has been out for the season. You hope to get those guys back. And the other thing that gives me at least some positive feeling about this defense is that all the rest of the defense is stink too. Other than the well, Baltimore Ravens, other than the Baltimore Ravens who has pitched four shutouts this year, the other defenses that are teams that are contending are terrible. Jacksonville is not playing well on defense. Pittsburgh Steelers have been leaky on defense. Cincinnati gives up a late a late touchdown yesterday to lose to Pittsburgh. And so when you look at the teams they're competing against, it's not like they're going up against the, the Steel Curtain or the, the 85 Bears defensively. And I believe this offense is good enough you get some guys healthy, you know, you, you, you improve, and also special teams makes big, makes big plays, creates big plays, and stops other teams from getting them. To your point, short of Baltimore, that's exactly right. Defense can be the downfall of just about any team in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> their offense, we agree, their offense is not their downfall. No. Right? Their offense is awesome. You referenced their special teams. They're well coached, and, they, and they're very yes, they good on plays. special teams. The weakness of this team is their defense. They're giving up 470 yards per game on the defensive side of the ball. That's like epically bad. That's not kind of bad. That's epically bad. Wait, but epic, the, you the other part epic. of this is, Tim, they always play with the lead. Right, so in playing with the lead, you, you go back to the, the, the Jacksonville game. They're playing with the lead. Blake Bortles throws for over 300 yards, and they stack up all these yards in a losing effort. There has, there's that part to it, too. I didn't even realize this. I have a, I had a graphic. I wasn't aware that this was there. 20-yard <laughs> plays, last. Yards per play, 30. Yep, I mean, go. give we me a break. Are you kidding me? I mean, just they are not good on defense right now. They like to play a lot of man coverage. They don't hold up in man coverage. It's a problem for them. And so, look, I get it. The Patriots gave up 40, but they gave up 43. And, that, and that's the difference. And so... I do. I, I think the downfall of this football team ends up being that they have a they have an awesome offense that, quite honestly, I don't know how you defend. I mean, it's in some ways similar to the Rams' offense, mm. but they can't stop anybody unlike the Rams. 
Well, and there, there's the difference. Suffice it to say, the offense is not the issue, and, and nor is their young quarterback. So that would make their downfall. Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> but there would have you know. to be a downfall. You have to okay. be predicting so that this no team's going to lose. Well, that's right. If you don't think there's a downfall, right. I guess you don't have a reason. Adam Schefter just tweeted they're going to run the table. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it right here. Kansas City Chiefs are all good. All right, how about this? The wait and the watch for Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell continues in the Steel City. Reportedly, Bell will rejoin the Steelers this week. That would be during their bye week. Keep in mind, players meet today. They practice tomorrow and Wednesday, and then they are off until next Monday because of the bye week. James Conner has not been fooling around this season. Seven rushing touchdowns for the Steel Curtain so far in 2018. That's tied for the most through six games in Steelers history with Franco Harris in 76, Jerome Bettis in 2004. Both of those fellas, of course, are in Canton, so some pretty good company to keep. But you know what? Ben Roethlisberger pointed it out. James Conner's played our last game of the season because uh, Le'Veon is back. He said that, of course, tongue firmly planted in cheek. Here's what we'll say on Overreaction Monday. James Conner should remain the starting running back this week. This Ryan. is not an overreaction. Uh, James Conner has, one, earned this spot. He's earned this opportunity. Also, Le'Veon Bell coming off of being at his house and working out on South Beach will not be ready to carry the load. And when you look at it, James Conner gives this team a different style runner than they've had in years. He gives them a physical force. And when you watch the reaction of this offense, of this sideline, when James Conner runs the ball, it's a different energy that he brings. They love to play with him. Now, they aren't stupid. They're not going to cut their nose off to spite their face and not play Le'Veon Bell. But having a James Conner allows you to work Le'Veon Bell back into it, allows him to get into football shape, and then you have one of the best, if not the best, running back duo in the NFL. But for this week, James Conner is the starter. And by, by the way, what's starting mean, right? There's a role for both. We're living a, t- a day and age where there's a role for dual running backs. James Conner right now is the fifth leading rusher in the NFL. You're going to tell the fifth leading rusher not to play? He scored seven touchdowns. That's two fewer than Le'Veon Bell had all of last year. And just take a look at the comparison right here. Look how the numbers are unfolding this year. Sure. You're not going to take that you production. Have a we, we have these all over Everybody the place. You got a graphic, Tim? We got a graphic, okay? You're not going to take that production and graphic stick it on the around. bench. You're not going to do that. And so when Le'Veon Bell comes back, and by the way, at – 2 o'clock today, they had a team meeting. Le'Veon Bell was not there at 2 o'clock when the team meeting got underway. Whenever he comes back, there's a role for both. There's a role. But James Conner is not losing a ton of work. So he should be the starter. Well, they, they should both be used. But, yes, fine. So, we'll leave no, James yeah, Conner. Yeah, not an overreaction well, is where we landed. Not an overreaction, Tim. It's an overreaction for me because as good as James Conner has been, and he's been really good, I've been very impressed with him. But the reality is, is that Le'Veon Bell is one of the best three running backs in football. He is. Like, well, we're not campaigning for Malcolm Brown to get touches in, you know, for the Rams because Todd Gurley is one of the best three backs in football. And the reality is when you have a dominant back, which is what Le'Veon Bell has been and what he does for their offense. I remember I've, I've seen Ryan do telestrations on how <laughs> yeah. the offense is better when he, you have him and you can split him out and use him as a receiver. He just makes them better. And the reality is, is that the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger are in the trying to win a Super Bowl business. And if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, you don't 
take reps away from, you know, one of the best backs in the league because the guy behind him was playing pretty good. But that's assuming he comes in in 100% football shape. Oh, listen, it's also assuming assuming that he wants to play. He comes, period, that he wants to play. Listen, I I think there's a whole bunch of that that you have to figure out. But assuming Le'Veon Bell comes back and he's playing, and he plays, he's one of the best running He's one of the three best players in the league. The thing you're excited about, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, is that you know you have two really good backs. You have a great back in Le'Veon Bell. I agree with you. Top two in the league to me. And then you have James Conner, who's a guy who can come in and get carries. And if you're Le'Veon Bell, this works perfectly, right? You wanted to lessen your workload. Now you you have a guy that can take some of those carries, take some of those snaps, and allow you to be great when it's your time. It works perfectly minus about $5 million. So there's that little nugget. Connor has three games with 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns this season. Le'Veon Bell has three of those such games in his career. The Buccaneers have announced the firing of defensive coordinator Mike Smith. Linebackers coach Mark Duffner will step in to replace Smith. The Buccaneers defense has clearly not produced. They have struggled to get after the quarterback. The second lowest pressure percentage in the league. That unit has also surrendered the highest yards per attempt, completion rate, and total QBR in the league. One more game to go tonight, Monday Night Football. And despite 442 yards and three touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers last week, Green Bay missed five kicks and lost to the Lions. So they hope to right the ship tonight under the lights at Lambeau against a 49ers team that has struggled without their starting quarterback out with injury. So, Lisa, oh, we say hello, by the way, to Lisa Salters. It's been quite an injury report for this game, a total of 30 players listed between these two teams. Let's start with what the Packers are dealing with. Yeah, Wendy, uh, Aaron Rodgers told us yesterday that the left knee sprain he suffered in the season opener against the Bears is still there. He called it a nagging injury, one that he said got re-aggravated against Detroit last Sunday. Rodgers will still be wearing a knee brace tonight for stability, but he said the goal is to be able to go without it by the time the Packers come out of next week's bye when they face the Rams in L.A. And it's not just Aaron that needs some healing time. Starting wide receivers Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison will likely both be inactive tonight because of hamstring injuries. Cobb will be missing his third consecutive game, Allison his second. So in addition to Devontae Adams, who will be on the field despite dealing with a calf issue himself, the Packers will be likely relying on three rookie wide receivers tonight. Jamon Moore, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Equin... I'm sorry, I knew I was going to mess up his name. Equinemius St. Brown, who have just 12 (laughs) receptions for 198 yards combined in their first NFL season. I apologize to him and his family, Wendy. You were very close, Lisa, very close. For San Francisco, (laughs) a loss tonight would already put them five games behind the unbeaten Rams that you talked about in the NFC West. They are dealing with a long injury list of their own. What's the update there? Well, the 49ers are so banged up on offense that one day this week in practice, 10 of the 11 starters sat out. And even though it's just week six, that can have an emotional effect on a team, which is why head coach Kyle Shanahan told us his message to his guys this week, keep battling. He said he told his team, no one believes you can do this, that you can go to Green Bay on Monday night and win. So that's when you should play your best with a chip on your shoulder. Second-year quarterback C.J. Beathard makes just his eighth career start, and most of his offensive line is questionable for tonight. Running back Matt Breda and receiver Pierre Garçon are both game-time decisions, and receiver Trent Taylor is doubtful to play. But on a positive note, receiver Marquise Goodwin should be back in the lineup after missing last week's game because of thigh and hamstring issues. Wendy? 
Lisa, thank you. And we'll talk a little bit more about San Francisco and managing this tough time in just a minute. But let's start with Aaron Rodgers, Tim, or, or Adam. We'll go down the line here. Uh, and how, what a difference that injury is making. How, how limited is he at this point? Well, you heard Lisa say he's going to shed the brace after the bye. This is a good time for a, a bye. There's never a bad time for the bye for the Green Bay Packers. And it has hampered him some. But I think he... As much as, been, as, as much as he said it's bothering him, he's looked pretty good out there. I don't know what he's doing out there. He's running around. He's throwing the football. He's playing with a lot of these receivers, and yet they're still producing. And they're 2-2-1 two, two in an NFC North division that is quite muddled right now with teams together. I mean, this is an injury I think that would have locked out, knocked out a lot of people. And they said it would impact him for six weeks. And he's still been out there, and he's still been pretty productive despite the fact that he suffered an injury. Um, when I watch him play, he definitely looks hampered to me. He looks hindered in the way that he can move. And you watch him get out of the pocket when they were playing Washington, and it's hard for him to stop. The thing that I'm disappointed in Aaron Rodgers, and I'm rarely disappointed in Aaron Rodgers, was when I watched him in the second half of the Chicago Bears game and the ball was getting out of his hand on time and he played on time and, he, and the routes that were called, he hit him immediately. He took the open guy. I thought to myself, I said, if the NFL has to see this Aaron Rodgers, has to see an Aaron Rodgers who is going to do exactly what the playbook says with his skill set, his accuracy, his velocity, I thought they were going to be in trouble. And he's kind of moved away from that as, as maybe he's gotten healthier or just getting back comfortable. And I hope he goes back to just playing on time and doing what the play calls for because I think this is a better team when he does. That's a good point, Ryan, because the reality is is he doesn't look the same moving around, Mm -hmm. but he has continued to move around. Mm -hmm. And so the number of throws outside the pocket before the injury versus after the injury – really aren't any different. They, he's still doing a lot of the same things in terms of holding on to the football and trying to create. He's just not as able to create right. because he's wearing the brace and he's not moving around as well. And Adam's right as well. I mean, it's just, the bye is coming at a good time for them because he's, he, you know, kind of reports of, and, and Lisa's saying it, that he re-aggravated the knee injury and it's not, he's not moving the same. But if in, after the bye, he's moving around the way he did prior to the injury, that should help the team, but I, I agree. I, I think he is better off operating inside mm, the structure yeah. of the offense much more than he has been. Just staying in the pocket, not testing the knee, spinning not the ball, running like, around. Like, like he can spin it, though. Ever, yeah, but, you know. but play on time. Listen, there are other quarterbacks that don't have the ability to um, be as elusive and what do they do? They play inside the pocket very effectively. Look at Tom Brady. It's inside the pocket effectively. Really, Aaron, in the long run, would be better for him to do that. And look, that bye, I think, helps influence their decisions about these receivers tonight. You heard Lisa Salters mention Cobb and Allison likely out. Knowing they had that bye, it's two for one if you rest them tonight in a game that they should be able to win at home. I think, they look, I think they're more anyway. so looking at this bye they have tonight than the bye they have next week. <laughs> Two by weeks. Listen, let me ask you about that then, because in fairness, nobody's going to feel sorry for him. Every team deals with it, but this is a tough, tough hand dealt to the 49ers. How big of a coaching challenge for, Shan- for uh, oh, Kyle Shanahan? It, it's a huge coaching challenge. Listen, it's a backup. I mean, look, you're backup running back, backup mm-hmm. quarterback, backups kind of all over the place. Um, and you, when you became the head coach there, you didn't inherit a team that was loaded with talent. And so, yeah, it's a challenge. And so I think that's 
quite honestly, that's what coaches are supposed to do. You're not supposed to just win the games that your team is better than, that your players are better than. The challenge for a coach is to kind of identify what your guys can do well and put them in a position to succeed. And I will say this about Kyle Shanahan throughout his coaching career as a play caller. He's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. He does a great job of devising guys open. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, misdirection play action stuff between, you know, that tree from Gary Kubiak, really his father to Gary Kubiak down to him. He's been as good as anybody at doing that. And so um, if you're a 49ers fan, you're hoping that he yeah. can do I that. Mean, I mean, he was, he was great in Washington with RG3. He was great in Atlanta. We saw what he could do last year with Jimmy G, but sometimes the cupboard is just bare. Well, yeah, when you come there's into, only so many Right, when you come into a season work. thinking you're going to have Jet McKinnon at the running back, you have some new receivers, you have Jimmy G at quarterback, and you lose them all, that's very difficult. Yeah, that's a, that's a different order of business. Tim, by the way, will take a closer look at Aaron Rodgers' mechanics that we talked about uh, coming up and how he may be affected by that knee. We'll do that a little bit. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're gonna sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, listen, we thought the AFC South would be the division to watch. That has not been the case. It, pun intended, by the way, it was the worst combined win percentage of any division in the league this season. The AFC South has averaged the fewest points per game of any division division and scored the fewest offensive touchdowns. Their turnover differential equally, easily the worst of any division. And so we continue with overreaction Monday. The Jaguars, that vaunted Jags defense with Saxonville and pick fillet, all of those things. Pick fillet. Yeah, brilliant. that one didn't win, but I'm still like about it. I don't no. post on Sundays. Get it? Like all right. It. Anyway, the Jags defense is overreated. Overrated. <laughs> overreated. Overreated. Is that an overreaction? Oh, uh, listen, this is not an overreaction. This is a team, if you go through their season last year, you went back through and watched it, they dominated bad offenses. They dominated bad quarterbacks. But when they played some higher quality quarterbacks, it was Jimmy G late in the season. You also saw Tom Brady with the comeback in the second half. Even Ben Roethlisberger in the playoffs, they struggled a bit in the past game when that pressure wasn't getting home. And if you've watched them the last two weeks, they've lost their identity. And I think it goes back to a player that doesn't play defense, and that's Leonard Ford. A lot of time, the run game is what sets the tone for you. You can have ball control, but it's also a physicality. And in losing that, they have lost a little bit of who they are defensively. It's not an overreaction. I mean, you just look at them. You gave up 40 points to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, just when you have a really good dominant defense, that that, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You don't. You don't get your doors blown off by a mediocre offense. Kind of, I think that's what you're kind of saying, Ryan. Yeah. The other aspect is a year ago when we watched them play in the regular season, it seemed like every time you looked up, it was a turnover or a turnover, and then that defense was scoring. Like they're not doing that anymore. And so, I, I, I also think people need to understand too. It's one thing to be for one season, kind of be a dominant player or a dominant, you know, segment of a team, you know, the defense side of the ball. But to do it in consecutive seasons when yeah. people have studied you and figure out what you do well is a totally different animal. And I think the part of that is what they're seeing now. And do it week to week, season to season. So last week they played Kansas City. 
and you'd understand why the defense would struggle. And maybe yeah. it's just slump. But then to go into Dallas, as you said, I know it's like the Rams of the NFC East, as Jerry Jones has proclaimed them to be. <laughs> but, okay, they didn't put 40 on anybody. I wonder if they had scored 40 points in other games combined together. And they just walked up and down the field and did what they want against Jacksonville. You see receivers running passes against great cornerbacks, great individual players. But as a unit, they have not been. They have not been a great defense. Look at the numbers. Again, Tim, I had this chart created for you. Oh, yes. Good job. Ryan's the only one without a chart. In the league, points per drive the last couple of weeks. 28th in efficiency, the last in total QBR. Well, Patrick Mahomes is a part of that. Dak Prescott is now a part of that. But dominant defenses don't give up. You made a good point, though. Jacksonville doesn't do a lot defensively. And you talked about teams getting opportunity to study them, know where they're going to be. Dallas drew up a play that was perfect, and Dak actually rolled and dropped the ball. But teams are figuring out ways to find spots in this zone and also beat the man-to-man coverage. Yeah, again, it is what it is. And you look at those numbers from the weekend, it's hard to argue they're not overrated. All right, this one, I don't know. This is a stretch, but it's overreaction Monday. That's what we're here for. Jacksonville, keep talking about the Jags, should trade – for Eli Manning. This is an overreaction. And it's not an overreaction because I love Blake Bortles. Because everybody knows how I feel about Blake Bortles. The only thing is, somehow our producers picked the one dude I actually think Blake Bortles is better than. <laughs> and I don't know, like if, it, if, I don't know if it was like a trick. Like, hey, like let's make RC really want to trade Blake Bortles right. away. But give him somebody he wouldn't he trade Blake trade Bortles for. for. Yeah. Listen, Jacksonville needs somebody else. They need, a, they need a different quarterback. But we're also kind of looking at Blake Bortles and blaming a lot on him right now today for some things that aren't his fault. But to go get Eli Manning, I go get Peyton first. Oh, wow. Before okay. I went to get Eli. Wow. Well, that might be an overreaction. That's right. And your point's well taken. Yeah. And I don't think you've made me I, – I don't think you've made a bad point. But I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you. You and, think and, it's not an overreaction? Because I think this – I. I I think anytime there's a trade, it takes two to kind of tango with right. it, obviously, That's right? And so I think that the situation for the Giants is they're going to get to a point where, and they've experienced this before, they need, they need Eli to be out of there for them to move on from him. Mm-hmm. It's too hard for them, I think, to move on from him while he's still there. Eli Manning is not going to watch somebody else play from the Giants' sideline. So it's not going to happen there, I don't believe. And so I think in order for them to have somebody else play, I think he has to be in another city, and I think it helps the Giants. And quite honestly, I think it helps Jacksonville because I, I think that the one thing Bortles does better than Eli, which is clear, is he moves around He's pretty moving. well. He's a very good athlete, and he moves around, and that's a big part of kind of the identity of that team. I think you could, with a really good running game, I think Eli Manning – would help them. He's, he's, you know, he just he's a smarter player. Yes, Plain absolutely. and simple, he's a smarter player. Well, I would agree that the Giants are in a tough spot with Eli until they can. I mean, it just it didn't go well last year. I know we're looking at it from the Jacksonville perspective, but it could be a relief to the Giants, as you're mentioning yeah. here. And look, when the Giants cut Eric Flowers, who was the first team on the line who signed him? Jacksonville. Oh. Tom Coughlin knew him. Tom Coughlin knows Eli Manning, believes in Eli Manning. The offensive line coach there was the offensive line coach for the Super Bowl runs in, in New York. <laughs> Excuse me. So the Hasselbacks keep pitching this. And eventually, uh, maybe you get this keep, done. Again. <laughs> Matthew, you got it. Matthew, you started back in the club. Have you had a call from Eli yet? Uh, yeah, tell yeah, you to back uh, off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> Florida. No state income tax. Fair enough. Fair point. Uh, all right, Adam. So not an overreaction for you either? Not an overreaction. Okay, not all right. Let's, let's get Eli Manning to the Jags. Yeah, right? get, you're on it. He's on no, it. No, Adam's on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. My hands are clean. We floated and it's Adam's job to get it done. Okay. Well, how about this? Let's talk about the Titans for a minute. The Titans do not. 
there's the operative word, have their franchise quarterback. Adam Schefter, is that an overreaction? I think it is an overreaction right now. Listen, Marcus Mariota this year has been playing through a lot of pain. We haven't seen the real Marcus Mariota. We've also seen a new offensive coordinator, new head coach there. It takes a while to get used to systems and how it operates and how it's working. So, to me, he deserves some time. He deserves to get healthy. And so to say that they don't have their franchise quarterback when so many people have believed in this guy before, when Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, was in a panic to go get him, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, Listen, I would agree with you that it's an overreaction in in that – um, he's had a lot of change, and quite honestly, he wasn't planning on playing. You know, Blake, uh, Blaine Gabbert was the starting quarterback. He gets injured, and like, oh, hey, you were healthy enough to be the backup. You're back out there as a starter. And so I don't think we really know, because it's a nerve and because it's in his throwing arm, of how injured Marcus really is. And so I think we, he deserves a little bit of grace because of that. Now, in saying that, you know, I'm going to ride the fence a little bit here and say, He's always that's, hurt. That we, we're used yeah, to no, no, but he's always injured, and I think that's the challenge. Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes there's significant things that you can't kind of deal with, but he's been hurt every year, and he misses games nearly every year, and you're not a franchise quarterback if you're not available to play. It's just That's how it works. Best abilities, availability, mm-hmm. yes. Mariota, too, those interceptions, some of them have been pretty ugly. 18 picks since the start of last year. When he's under duress, the most in the league. Press coverage now, courtesy of the Minnesota Vikings. Coach Simmer confirms Mike Hughes did, in fact, tear his ACL yesterday. He will head to IR. Each week, NFL teams select a high school football coach of the week. ESPN will honor the Monday night football home team's coach. And so this week, congratulations to Greg Roman of Ronald Reagan High School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Don Shula High School Coach of the Year Award will be announced at the Pro Bowl in January. But before we do that, it's a Monday staple. It's our Sunday standouts, Mm. the best of the best from week six. Just in case you missed anything, we got you covered. So shall we? With that, let's take a look. All right, here's where we start. Best best pregame moment, and there's no question it was Ryan Shazier returning to Cincinnati Ten months after that spinal injury. We're just so excited to see him walking. The last time he was there, he was on the ground. We all know how horrible that injury was. It was a big pick-me-up for the Pittsburgh Steelers and great to see. Tremendous. The nightcap last night, Chiefs and Patriots, Tom Brady to Julian Edelman in the end zone. But take another look. Edelman is literally adjusting his gloves as he runs. Well, that's because he got held. I mean, he had to adjust his gloves. All right, get off me, will you? The Steelers' offense looking pretty good. James Conner elbows Sean Williams and Vontez. Perfect. And Conner, we talked about it earlier. He's done his job. Look at that. Dude, Sean Williams went out of the the game after this play. You have to at least stay in one more play. One more play. Not going out when you just got ran over. Big Ben to Vance McDonald also gets around Perfect and Williams. It just wasn't wasn't a big day for those two defenders. When did Vance McDonald turn into Mark Bavaro? Yeah, right there. he's a beast. There you go. <laughs> Stiff arm here. We've had one every week. Chiefs and Patriots to Rob Gronkowski wide open over the middle, and he just and... rocks Ron huh. Parker. You know what? Tight ends are getting real disrespectful yeah. down the field in prime time Uh-oh, right now. Oh, going to make him slip. Strange occurrence here. Panthers and Redskins. Adrian Peterson with the first down, but then look at what happens. Luke Keekley tries to make the tackle, but he 
He only gets his Peterson shoe stuck in his mask. <laughs> I mean, Oops. Oh, there you go. That's, oh. a, that's a hard AP running right now. Stuck. He's running out his shoes. Bills on the road against the Texans. Chris Ivory, the handoff, but it's to Debbie on Clowney. Yep. Takes it and brings Ivory down. Just oh, but he tackles him by the the yep. Well, you know, it's, it's strange because he oh, also yeah. has dreads. Oh, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, I, I, I you know, kind of like it. Horse have, having hair, if not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> yeah, see, fair point. Back to the Steelers and Bengals. Big Ben to Juju Smith-Schuster. Is this a touchdown? It was called just short of the goal line, but Juju apparently disagrees. Well, he said because all of it was his hand hit the ground. You heard during the game, during the, uh, the broadcast, they said they've never called a play like this, but they didn't Down give it to him. Down by his head, yeah. Conor McGregor making a special appearance at the Cowboys yesterday. He is Jared. jacked. All players seg- celebrating with his signature walk. I think he tried to throw the football. What, but they had Conor McGregor and Jerry Jones in the same huddle. Those two dudes oh, can really make oh, money. Oh, 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 there we go. Yeah, yeah I, we go. this might be... Feel free oh, to grab the laces. Well, here's okay. the thing, guys. With this throw, he came. He became the second-best quarterback to play on that oh, field yesterday. Oh, dear. Ouch. UFC to wrestling. Bears and Dolphins. Brock Osweiler to Danny Amendola, who's picked up and slipped <laughs> down by <laughs> Leonard Floyd. Hello? I mean. Wow. He did draw a penalty. What? I mean, all right. Anything, though. You got to be a little bit for a grown man yeah, to do this. Uh, like that. I mean. Uh, and he goes for the leg. I mean, this just. <laughs> This yeah, is so kind of disrespectful. Of this kind of humility. I don't give you on that one. You have to fight after this. 100%. Yeah, get a bit Sticking with yes. the yes. wrestling you lose. team. Yeah, yeah you are going to lose. But Joe Mixon gets the rushing touchdown, tries to jump into the crowd. Unfortunately, I mean. there's that clock. <laughs> the best part is the second one because he was trying to play <laughs> it like, off. wait. No, I meant that. <laughs> Yeah. Like I there's tried no, to run. There's, the no there's no shot. There's no shot. No, not, not like no right. one is watching. Like wish no one was watching. This is Kirk Cousins. Is this a fake floss? Like what is that? He, well, his, his kid's yeah. still young. Maybe he doesn't know what the floss is. But why is it angry know. about his kids? That was actually kind that of a nice thick move. Yeah, though. it was kind of a nice run. Yeah, so there you go. Eighty-four million. Eighty-four million. <laughs> yeah. Eighty-four million. I don't care how million. I floss. Uh, look, so, oh, bomb. Wait, you're, okay. <laughs> there we go. Bomb. 84 million. Uh, save it for the red carpet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's coming up, it. isn't it? 84 million. Yeah, I danced too. Right now, though, we say hello from inside the film room brought to you by Verizon. And we touched on Aaron Rodgers and that sprained knee earlier. He's been playing with that injury, Tim, since week one. He's gotten better, but where are we? Take us through what you see. Well, I, I tell you what I see. I see an offense that lacks creativity, just plain and simple. I mean, just just look at this rip of plays. The number of times that a Packers offense will just it's, – it's Aaron in the shotgun, and it's catch and throw to the flat. And so whether it's these flat screens where they're blocking on the perimeter or whether it's, you know, drag slant, whatever it is, you know, you watch other offenses around the league. They're trying to hide their quarterbacks by running plays like this. Mm-hmm. It is a – it's a staple of what the Packers are doing offensively, and it, it lacks creativity. It doesn't kind of bring out the best in, in terms of what your quarterback is able to do. And, look, I'm showing you the completions right now. <laughs> right. we got to be showing you the incompletions of this. We'll get one at the end. But to, to me, I just don't think that you're using the quarterback the right way when so much of what you do is this, especially when it's a quarterback that can attack every area of the field because he's got a big arm, because he has the ability to move around and create. And and 
honestly, it's just it's not what you see from the best offenses in the league. Look at the creativity the Rams have. Look at the creativity that uh, you know the Chiefs have. To me, this offense of the, the Green Bay Packers is stagnant and stale. They, they basically are stationary, and they're predictable. And so, I, you know, I typically don't, you know, I'm not as critical on a play caller of that, but, like, the play design mm-hmm. in Green Bay is unimaginative, and I think that the entire team is suffering. Wow. Again, Aaron Rodgers will play with the knee brace tonight. Then they have a bye. He says he hopes to play without it after the bye week. We'll see. Through the first six games of the season, Adam Thielen has 58 catches. That's more than any player has ever had through six games in league history. And it puts him on pace for 154 for the season. And that would blow right past the previous single-season high of 143. So Ryan Clark, you tweeted this yesterday. Re-Adam Thielen, please don't use smart, hard-working, dependable gym rat when speaking of Adam Thielen. Dude is a baller and can do it all. So dang talented. All right. Tell us why. Well, where's he ranked? Know, Let's talk about where's he ranked. So so this is this is hard, right? Because somebody's going to be upset with me. Yeah, but that's always this. the case. And, so we're and, okay. And, and you have to understand not this is not this is not a career achievement top five rankings yeah. for me, right? So I'm gonna go number one. Number Wait, one is for or me, isn't? It is not. Okay. Number one for me is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Wow. And here is why. If you watch the if you watch the Houston Texans play, Deshaun Watson is constantly under siege. They don't block well up front. There's not a lot of time. You go to the Indianapolis game, the big catch was made by him in overtime. You take it to the next game. The reason they won the game, obviously, he catches the ball across the middle against the Dallas Cowboys, breaks some tackles, puts them in field goal range. Even down to the Buffalo Bills in the slot, knife route, a little corner fade, he gets the catch. He's produced with every quarterback that's been in, in, in Houston. No matter who it is, no matter who the guy is, what's going on around him, DeAndre Hopkins is the constant. Number two is Adam Thielen. So he makes you top five because there and he is people are, Yes, he's smart and he's dependable, yep. and I'm sure he's a gym rat. But the type of routes that Adam Thielen is able to run, the different things that he could do, the way that he catches the football, all the opportunities that he provides Kirk Cousins with clean pockets to throw the ball into, and the tough 50-50 catches he can make, Adam Thielen oh. is one of the top guys in this league. Right. We're going to go to number three. Again. Number three is Michael Thomas. What he's been able to do with Drew Brees this year has been nothing short of amazing. The only reason he's not number one is because he had kind of a subpar game against Washington because everybody else on the field was wide open. Number four, and this guy to me is the huge talent of the group, Julio Jones has not been able to catch touchdowns. Him and Matt Ryan can't seem to link up in the red zone where you think a guy with a 6'4 frame, 220 pounds, would dominate. Okay, so here's the hard one. I was going to combine Juju. Somebody gets left out. I was going to combine Juju and Antonio and make one dude. And then I saw Tyreek last night, and he's amazing. And Tim's going to disagree with this. We are going to fight, but... Wow. This dude. Really? Oh, wait. I didn't mean to replace him. Wow. Slide over. Slide. Oh, uh-oh. There. There. Okay. Odell. I think, I think Odell Beckham Jr. Over is, Hill, huh? is one of the most talented football players playing the game today. What he could do at the wide receiver position, whether it's route running, contested balls. I watched him have three of the most exciting five-yard catches Last week in the Thursday night game because Eli can't get the ball down the field. I believe he could do it all. I think he's special. And he would be higher if there was more production this year. All right, but Adam Thielen's not upset. I'm just surprised you hate Antonio Brown and Tyreek Hill so much. (laughs) 
good. It was tough. It was tough. But Adam Thielen's two. I think that I mean, listen. I, I thought I didn't think you were going to have him in your top five. Yeah. I'm happy to see him. Listen, his production is. I mean, it's hard to debate his production with, without question. With, with, with different quarterbacks. So who's still. mad at you? I, I, that'd I, I be all right. It's the production, but it's also he has a, another number one guy on the other side. So it's not like they don't have other people to get the ball yeah. to, and he's still that productive. All right, fair enough. Uh, Bills rookie quarterback Josh Allen suffered an elbow injury. This was the third quarter of Sunday's seven-point loss to the Houston Texans. He did not return. Allen's injury was said to be evaluated again today. And with that, we'll say hello to Adam Schefter. He's in the Domino's pregame HQ. Shefty, with Allen sustaining that injury, where are we on the Bills quarterback situation? Look, he's going through testing today on that elbow, Wendy, and it's a good thing that the Buffalo Bills signed Derek Anderson last week because if they don't want to go, if they can't go with Josh Allen next week, they have Derek Anderson now in the fold. Nathan Peterman struggled in relief of Josh Allen. Once he went down with that elbow injury, you saw it wrapped on the sideline. Peterman threw the two fourth-quarter interceptions that helped contribute to Buffalo's disappointing loss in Houston, one across the field that was just an odd throw that Houston picked off that led to that celebration. And so he now is in a situation where they have to see how the testing comes with Josh Allen. And if he can't go, then the Bills have another quarterback decision to make, Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson. Uh, There were a number of other quarterback injuries. We'll go through them, and let's start with the Raiders and Derek Carr. It landed hard on his shoulder yesterday, his bicep, some sort of area like that in London. Now, the good part for the Raiders is they have a bye week, but you saw Carr go down on this particular play right away, grab the non-throwing shoulder, maybe even the bicep tendon. You couldn't even see exactly what he's reaching for, but he certainly looked uncomfortable at that point in time. Now, again, bye week to get healthy, which is big for the Oakland Raiders and obviously they would like to give him the rest that he needs. You saw the thumbs up there. That's an encouraging sign. And today, Adam Gase called Ryan Tannehill day-to-day, which is really not a surprise. The disconcerting issue to the Miami Dolphins is that Tannehill actually regressed last week. He was okay on Wednesday, but got worse on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to the point where couldn't play on Sunday. So you have to wonder whether Tannehill will be able to play this Sunday. If he can't play, of course, then that would mean Brock Osweiler would be out there once again after leading the Dolphins to a win yesterday. There were some other injuries also at wide receiver. Let's go with Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup. What's the status there? Horse collar tackle yesterday in Denver, Wendy, and he came into the locker room. The Rams did testing. There was no structural damage at that time with that initial test. He actually came back to the game, but the leg was tight. It was cold out, and so they decided to be careful and play it safe. Now, he's undergoing an MRI today to determine if there is any damage there is some sense that maybe there's a meniscus tear there. We'll find out whether that's the case or not, but we'll see how long he'll be out. Then the Falcons suffered a pair of wide receiver injuries yesterday. Calvin Ridley hurt his ankle. It turns out to be a bone bruise right now, and that does not appear to be a serious injury at this time, so we'll see how that works out. Mohamed Sanu hurt his hip and obviously did not play in the second half. And the Falcons have two other injury concerns as well. Devonta Freeman is not going to play this week. And their kicker, Matt Bryant, is not going to play. Alex Lewis, the Ravens center, went down yesterday. You could see the concern amongst the various players. He was carted off, but they said there is no neurological issue after suffering that neck injury that frightened everybody on Sunday when he was carted out. And John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach, even gave Alex Lewis a chance to play this week, as hard as that is to believe, Wendy. Certainly good news. Adam Schefter, thank you. He's about to hit the red carpet. He's very 
red on the red carpet. Hey, listen, this is the yeah. theme, guys. You see the red? You see the little burgundy tint? This is what we're going with. Here is what I call the loser lip right of it. quarterbacks, right? We got two losers here, but what did they bring? to the post-game interview. Here we have Deacon Jameis Winston of the Mount Carmel Everlasting on the mountain high with the mountaintop angels and the hillside Baptist Methodist Southern Church of North Carolina. And you see right here, so we got the little shiny suit right here, right? We got the blue tie. I don't disagree or not like it, but what you guys can't see, and I wish you could, is that Jameis Winston has on brown socks, and slippers. Can't wear brown socks and slippers or sandals unless you're Jesus. And so we're going to go over here. We got Mitchell Trubisky. So Mitchell Trubisky, he kind of goes with the same thing, right? It's got a burgundy feel to it. There is also the blue tie. But here is why I like what Mitchell Trubisky on, has on. Look at the pattern. He's a risk taker. You know who should have been a risk taker? Matt Nagy should have been a risk taker on third and four Why you're running the ball. Do what your quarterback suit says to do, which is take a risk. So if I had to say who wore it best, I'm not going to go with Deacon Jameis Winston. I'm going to go with Mitchell Trubisky. I see you looking here, Tim. Do you I, disagree? No, I mean, listen, you said he's taking some risks. I'm, I would agree with you. <laughs> but Platt is big this fall, Tim. That's bold. And it's, is and it's also not a costume, yeah. Tim. We it's know not how a you costume. feel about no, it's costume. Definitely definitely not a costume. It's, it's a little bold. Like, he could have maybe like just had some regular pants on with that. But, hey, but, guys. But I'm okay. So moving on, we're going to stick with we're going to stick with quarterbacks here, and these are two of my yes. favorite guys yes. wow. right here. Wow. Let's look into the future. Baker Mayfield, right? You know, he's a Big 12 guy, country guy. Started at Texas Tech, moved over to Oklahoma. He just keeps it real chill right now. Number one pick. He has the hat on, right? The coat, walking in with the phone sweatshirt. He's not doing too much. But here's what's going to happen to Baker Mayfield as he move along in life. As he gets 18 years deep, you're going to morph, right? You're going to move over, and you're going to become Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, right? He looks like a dad. You know why? Because he has a lot of kids. He has seven children, so there's that. Because he has a lot of kids. Hey, guys, I think this is Mary on this belt, right? Look at the perfect tuck ratio. Right here, it's tuck moved out a little bit, so you can't really see the dad belly, but you can see it a little bit, but it shows that I'm still neat. This is what Baker Mayfield is going to turn into. Matter of fact, guys, show me Baker Mayfield in a few years. There it is. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. He's still going to see. Hey, listen, guys. It's going to be 2036. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so he's going to have the wireless headphones. We're going to throw the plaid shirt on, and it's going to work perfectly. Look into the crystal ball. The only thing you want different is you want to bring a Super Bowl to Cleveland. You don't want to be where Phillip Rivers is right now in Los Angeles. And hey, guys, in this edition of doing too much on Sunday, Oh. All of these guys did oh, wow. way too much for me. There's a lot Right here, Thomas Davis, he has his whole family, every picture they've ever taken inside of his coat. I have no idea what Antonio Brown is doing, but when you catch the game winning touchdown, I guess you could do it. He's worn that before. Excuse me, Adam has a report out to you that Thomas Davis lost his father a couple of weeks ago, and so the funeral was supposed to be Saturday. So that, I would imagine, is a tribute to his dad in there and his family. Well, so, you know, his well, mom's no. been sick too. Well, you know, there it goes. And so here we go now. We have Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is looking like, hey, I'm a nerd, but I'm also super cool. So here, in doing too much, let's a do less. A- a- he's talking about Cam's pants, right? He wore that about last Cam's year. Pants. You don't remember? He wore that before. Hey, guys, here. He's Cam's, re-wearing it. All of Cam's pants are short. 
He has beautiful ankles. He wants the world to know that even though I have these massive calves, I have very athletic ankles. Yeah. He uses <laughs> lotion. He moisturizes. He makes sure that everything is on point for when he wants to do that. And the reason we like Cam actually in this, I like is this is no the costume. least clothes he's worn you, you know, yeah. all year. No that's costume the most conservative this, look he's had going. Yeah, this that's, is an outfit, that's not an a outfit. costume. That's fair. Yeah, first that's time an outfit. This, that might be the first time this season he's got an outfit. conservative for him. For and sure, I think, maybe I'm telling you, I like that he's, you know, recycling. I like He's worn it before, but when you pay $3,000 for something and it's this perfectly tailored and you get the right Christian Louboutins yeah, to match him, you rock it again. So Tim yeah, could no, not borrow that? Tim could definitely wear that. Well, I mean, Tim could definitely wear that. I think so. Wait, right. so we're okay with recycling and wearing it before? Absolutely. Because yeah. RC, RC has never worn the same suit twice. That's not true. That's on NFL Live. That's not true. On NFL Live. That's He's not true. I just, don't, same suit twice. I just don't do it in the same year. <laughs> right. Wow. To be so lucky, everybody. Ryan Clark. All right, we're not done. More overreaction Monday coming up on NFL Live. John Gruden, the $100 million coach. One win to show for it. Some dissenting opinions about the Raiders next.
Join us Monday for a special edition of Monday Night Countdown live from Green Bay. We'll be live outside Lambeau Field, counting you down to kickoff as Aaron Rodgers and the Packers get set to face the 49ers. Monday Night Countdown live from outside Lambeau Field in Green Bay, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Mother Nature did what she could to put the skids on the Broncos' losing streak, but despite her best efforts, Denver's defense was torched by Todd Gurley, who racked up a career-high 208 yards. The Broncos have now lost four in a row. Here's Vance Joseph. There was a lot of Broncos fans chanting for Chad Kelly there, especially before half. He had to go in and take that... uh take the knee mm-hmm. did you think you might have to go to kelly and would you trust no, him if you had no. to no case is our quarterback he did some good things today it wasn't obviously perfect but he moved the ball again you know we had a chance to get 10 more points there you know case we all can play better obviously you know it's been four in a row and we can all play better well that brings us to more overreaction monday is it or it is i should say chad kelly time in denver Ryan Clark, overreaction? Are we pulling the string too quickly? Yeah, I, I, believe it's, I believe it's an overreaction, but it is time for something. It is time for panic in Denver. Listen, you're a team that just gave up two 200-yard rushers in back-to-back weeks. Case Keenum isn't throwing enough touchdowns. He's had an interception in every game. I believe he's the only quarterback that has done that this season. But you went out and got Case Keenum because you believe he can bring some of that magic that he had in Minnesota. You don't pull the plug on that this early in the season for a seventh-round draft pick from Ole Miss. Give him a little more time. Try to figure out if he can find ways to win some games. And if he can't, you move to Chad Kelly much later. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. It's an overreaction for me, um, but but things have to get better. And, you know, Vance Joseph talked about everyone can get better, everyone can play better. He's right. I mean, the defense can play a heck of a lot better. But I will tell you this. They need to figure something out, and there needs to be some type of improvement. It, it's reasonable to think that you would have some growing pains with a, a guy coming over and being the you know first-year starter for the team. But when you have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and, and Sutton and you've, and you've kind of struck gold a little bit with a guy like Philip Lindsay and you have a – like I, I look at them as a team that actually has pretty good perimeter talent. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that's a team that you should be able to be productive on offense with. And right now they're not. So if it doesn't change, before you get to the halfway point of the season – then you have to start to make some really hard decisions. They are an interesting stretch of their schedule because they play Arizona this week on a short week, then come home and play Kansas City, and then have a bye. And bye times are usually when teams review things and look to see what works and what doesn't work. Saying that, Chad Kelly's not ready right now. He's just not ready. He is a seventh-round pick. He is green, and he's playing behind an offensive line that has struggled. So if you're putting out a quarterback who isn't ready – Behind an offensive line that has struggled this season, that's a bad combination. And you want to see what Case Keenan can do for the rest of this year, in my mind. Maybe at the very end, get an idea of Chad Kelly at that point in time. But the people who are there, who watch him every day, just say he's not ready right now. Well, listen, a green quarterback is tough. A struggling offensive line is tough. You put them together and you can it's mm-hmm. a real mess. And there can be long-lasting repercussions. I tell you what, tough times in Oakland. I hate to say it, but here's where we are on Overreaction Monday. John Gruden's Raiders are the worst team in the league. Adam, so many eyeballs on this team, and it just hasn't gone well. No, they've been terrible this year, but so have the Giants, and so have other teams that we look at. Who else has been really bad? The Colts have had so many injuries that it's been tough to get The Titans are bad, and they won three games. Them right now. I mean, the Broncos have been bad recently. I mean, when, when you bring up that fact, 
two straight weeks. No NFL team has ever done that in back-to-back weeks, mm-hmm. allowed a team to run for over 200 yards, and the Broncos did that. Broncos, Giants, Cardinals, think the Cardinals. Cardinals. Are, there's, a, there's a lot of teams that make it. Yeah, so to say the Raiders are worse than any of them. Yeah, I, I mean, the Raiders have had a fair. bad, That's disappointing the season, but they're not any worse than some of these other teams. Well, right I think now. the Khalil Mack departure This is not an overreaction. Sort of, they stink. Well, yes, but <laughs> do, they, do they do that more than any other team? They stink more than everybody else. Okay. Well, then wow. it's not else. an overreaction. Wow. Listen, when you, when you wow. watch this team, it's, it's, it's gotten progressively worse as the season has gone along. Obviously, you start the season with the Khalil Mac issues and you can't find the pass rushers and pass rushers are hard to find but we gave one away. I I, I decided to be the coach of this team because I have Derek Carr who's a franchise quarterback and now every week Derek Carr is getting criticized for some type of decision that he makes and so for me this team is not only bad on the field they have been bad off the field. They have been a a media issue every each and every single week and I feel like this team played with low energy. They played with low hustle and low effort this week and those things cannot be. If you're going to lose, you still have to go out there and compete in a way to give yourself a chance to be yeah, competitive. I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Ryan. I, it's not an overreaction for me. There's some other bad teams, I, Adam. I, I agree with you on that. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what they do well. Like, name mm-hmm. me one thing that the Raiders are, do well. Like, if you were other, playing them, if other, you were when playing you watch them, them, like, what do you say? Like, you think, man, I got to tackle they, Marshawn Lynch. But they have a quarterback that makes terrible decisions. You know, oftentimes in the red zone, it's cost the team. They've got you know, receivers that don't appear to be balls. guys that that you that you fear. Like at least with the Giants, you could play them. And you'd be like, oh, you know what? Like Saquon, they, they have yeah, receivers. Yeah. They have Saquon. Yeah. Like, you know, or or you, or you play other teams and you think like, well, you know what? Like defensively, we maybe have our hands full or, or whatever it may be. I, I don't know that there's anything about Fear. the Raiders that you feel like as you're getting ready to face them. Mm-hmm. What you feel like the big big challenge is? I, I don't. I don't I, I don't know how I'm coming up with Absolutely. what it is that, that's like the big challenge. And like if that's the case in every phase of what you do, and you're a really bad football team. They, they got a couple of extra ones from the Bears. That's <laughs> I mean, there you go. Hard to find a good They'll be good. They'll be good in year six. Yeah. All right. In Vegas, maybe. <laughs> An equally ugly situation in New England, just a, a particular incident. Last night, Tyreek Hill during one of the three touchdowns he caught against the Patriots, and you can see his momentum carries him toward the stands where a fan pours beer on Tyreek Hill, but the story does not end there. This from the Patriots today. Gillette Stadium Security has identified the fan who violated the fan code of conduct by tossing beer onto a player during the game. The matter has been turned over to local law enforcement, and the fan will be sent a letter of dis- – like he gets thrown out, I think, of all future events at Gillette Stadium. But I think there's more to it. Yeah, and there is. And Tyreek Hill and his agent, Drew Rosas, want to take action against this fan. They say it's unacceptable that they would like this particular person – Prosecuted, and the exact quote is that type of behavior is unacceptable. Players have to be protected. We want that fan to be prosecuted. And again, no player ever should be subjected to running towards the stands and having anything poured on him. We saw a relief picture the other night in a baseball game. One of the championship games have a beer bottle. The Red Sox pitcher in New York have a beer can thrown at him. And now you see Tyreek Hill doused with a bottle of beer. And it's just not right. And obviously the Patriots have taken action. And Drew Rosenhaus and Tyreek Hill have been on the phone with the NFL and the NFLPA today to figure out their legal options to see what they can do going I forward. I don't blame them. I think there's got to be a zero tolerance policy for that kind of stuff. There is no excuse for it. 
No, absolutely. Listen, play, players are expected to behave in a certain manner and conduct themselves in a certain manner. And I think we should be able to have the expectations that the fans will behave in that way as well. And it, something definitely needs to be done if it's prosecution, if it's not being able to come back to certain games. But there has to be in some way some, some penalty levied so fans know that this is not okay. Wendy, you said zero tolerance on it. I mean, the truth is, I mean, I think it was last year, the year prior, was you know, there was a player that kind of yeah. was kind of efforting to go into the stands. Like, that's not okay. Same, same yeah, goes. Yeah, it goes both ways. Both of ways course. When, when you do it. And so I, I do think it's an important issue for the league to, to kind of have a hard line stance on. Totally agree. You wouldn't do it on the street, or at least you hope not. And if, if you did, there'd be some problems. If you threw a beer on someone in the street, you'd be arrested, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So same should be said here. Listen, we got one more game tonight, Monday Night Football at Lambeau Field, perhaps the best place in football to see a game. What you watching? Well, we heard Lisa Salter say at the outset of the broadcast that Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison are likely out for tonight. A couple of 49ers questionable, Matt Breida, George Kittle. I think they're optimistic that Kittle's going to play, and they're not giving up hope on Breida yet. 30 players between these two teams on the injury list. They are banged up. Pick it. That's a lot. Uh, I like the Packers. I just think probably too much for the Niners. The Niners are just more banged up than they are, 24 to 10. I think the Packers as well, 24 to 20, because, well, it's always 24 to 20. Because we do that But when you week. have Aaron Rodgers and you have the pieces missing for the 49ers, I go with the Packers. Listen, I think we got a clean sweep. I just think it's a war of attrition, to your point. Both teams injured, but you've got Aaron Rodgers, even if he is a little slowed by that knee. He's getting healthier. I got the Packers at home. But we don't fare well when we all agree. But tonight could be the night. Uh, We'll see you next time. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk soon.